0: In this episode of Octal FM, we discuss The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess HD for the Wii U.
1: Okay, so, welcome to another episode of Oxal FM. I'm Sephron, and I'm joined today by Gelada. Hello. And today we're going to be discussing the Twilight Princess games in the Legend of Zelda series, particularly the HD remake, um, but not solely that. Uh, we're going to discuss its uh, place within the timeline, uh, things that Gelada has had some insight towards it. So maybe they're a little bit different to other people's. Hopefully. And what we think about it. For the most part, it's going to be. Your show, you're going to be leading this one mm-hmm. um, with some of your more expert knowledge. I'll, I'll, I'll be frank, I've not actually played the game. I know much to your shock and horror.
0: Not even the original?
1: No, I mean, I, I told you, I, I think I played maybe half an hour of like the tutorial level area at the beginning. Like when the game first came out, like, what, 10 plus years ago now?
0: Yeah, it is. Um,
1: and I never played it. It's partially because I never had a Wii. Um, I had a GameCube, so I suppose that's no excuse, actually. (laughs) Yeah, that's Uh, no excuse. (laughs) I I haven't played it, and it's not because I'm not interested, just kind of never got around to playing it. Mm. So it'll be interesting to hear what you have to say about it.
0: Yeah. well, Maybe you'll inspire me. Maybe, maybe. By the end of this, you're going to be like, I am going to play Twilight Princess.
1: Absolutely. So what I'd like to say is, uh, if you do have any kind of suggestions on maybe other topics within zelda franchise that you wanted to discuss because it's a franchise that i know is very passionate about uh and i've got some decent knowledge of as well in other areas let us know um if you want to maybe be more specific or maybe more broad about something let us know that too
0: zelda is without a doubt one of my favorite um game series for anyone that knows me um in real life i have a lot of zelda t-shirts in fact possibly 50 percent of my t-shirts are zelda related t-shirts <laughs>
1: I've seen quite a lot of the motif around your house when I visited. You've got your your nice oh, big yeah. between worlds artwork, and you've got all that kind of stuff lying around your house.
0: That that piece of artwork is so cool. It was, it's lovely.
1: Um, it, it's genuinely lovely, and I, I genuinely think that uh, the the artwork and the aesthetic of the universe as a whole is beautiful.
0: Mm. I'll have to share a photo of it along with this episode because it yeah, was definitely. a um, it was when Antonia pre-ordered uh, a Link Between Worlds for 3ds. And she ordered it from the official Nintendo store. It was a Christmas present, so it didn't matter if it came on time, because the release date was before. And uh, But it was delayed. And so as an apology, they sent her that massive poster.
1: It's a pretty good delay apology. <laughs> yeah, it's like the
0: size of a wall. I mean, it, yeah, is, the the it yeah. is the size
1: of the wall. It is the size of your wall.
0: That's,
1: that's a pretty nice idea. So we're not, we're not going to get into why you love for the Zelda series, because that's probably a... A collection of episodes on its own um, and not really got time for it now. Um, But one thing I'd like to know from yourself is particularly why you are so fond of Twilight Princess. What about it stands out as a Zelda game to you?
0: Well, I think that they took it in a slightly different direction, especially after Wind Waker, which was the previous game, which was very cel-shaded. Well, it was cel-shaded. Not very cel-shaded and it was an interesting time for Zelda games because with Wind Waker initially there was a lot of skepticism about the art style everyone wanted a realistic Zelda game and then Wind Waker came out which was not a realistic Zelda game and initially everyone was was you know angry about that or upset about that but when Wind Waker actually came out it was amazing. Like it, it it received universal acclaim. And so to then go back to a realistic art style, it was almost like the community was reversed again because, you know, people loved Wind Waker so much that when Twilight Princess came out, people were a little bit like, mm, I'm not sure. I don't know, actually, if maybe we don't want a realistic looking Zelda after all.
1: One of the things that I noticed was that uh obviously a little bit tangential, but Wind Waker was the beginning of almost like a split in the Zelda series, the whole franchise. Mm. In that they then did quite a few different, maybe like particularly DS games or 3DS games in that style. Yes, and then the, but they also had the more traditional looking Zelda games. But then I would still say that Twilight Princess is very unique in the sense that no other game in the whole franchise ever has looked quite like it does. It, it no. definitely had that, that darker, more moody um, sense to it.
0: Yeah, because even with um, Skyward Swords and the upcoming Breath of the Wild, they are both realistic in that they're not cell shaded but they're very colourful and very pastel and still retain some of that cartooniness, whereas Twilight Princess was not that at all. I mean, if anything, it was the most... Reminiscent of that original, was it Space World?
1: Yeah, Space World two thousand trailer—the uh, yeah. one that we sat and watched like loads, over and
0: over again—in about three twenty by two forty pixels. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I feel that things like Skyward Sword and Breath of the Wild look now what I imagine Ocarina of Time, and Majora's Mask would have looked like had yes. the technology now been available then.
0: I think you're spot on. I think that's exactly right.
1: Whereas Twilight Princess is definitely a quite a massive departure from almost anything. And it just felt like it was a, it was a response to people going, we want this, not Wind Waker. And then people went, oh, Wind Waker is actually quite cool. We want this too.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I want to talk both about Twilight Princess as a whole, but also Twilight Princess HD, which is the HD remake on the Wii U. And it's worth going back to that launch of Twilight Princess because it had an interesting launch which i think is interesting to discuss in the in the context of breath of the wild Hmm. because twilight princess was released on both the gamecube and the wii and in fact it was a gamecube game it wasn't a wii game at all um but the wii and the gamecube were both compatible with each other because they were both basically they were basically the same console when they were demoing the wii they actually had gamecubes under the stands yeah working So it was actually, in fact, in the West, the GameCube version was launched after the Wii version. Despite the fact that the GameCube version was the original, so to speak.
1: I imagine that was hard mostly to push the popularity of the Wii even further than it already was.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Um, And it's weird because it was pretty much a launch title for the Wii, um, which is not very common in Zelda World. Normally Zelda is the last game (laughs) that comes out. Yeah,
1: it's usually a strong uh, game several years down the line often.
0: And I think that's because Nintendo liked to have the full power of the console. You know, they've had a year, two years or whatever to practice. And then Zelda is the one that like uses it all, pushes it to the edge. But yeah, Twilight Princess was released at the very end of 2006. So it's quite an old game now. And so it was definitely ready for a remake.
1: I feel a game like Twilight Princess benefits more from a remake than certain other games in the franchise, though. Um, not not so much maybe a remake, just a remaster almost, as the game's lower resolution does detract from the more moody atmosphere maybe that it was trying to go for, whereas games maybe like uh, Wind Waker, although the HD remake for that was absolutely fantastic, maybe another episode, but maybe you can still play the original Wind Waker and it still looks gorgeous despite how old and now outdated the technology is behind it.
0: Yeah, you're right, because it's realistic, as with all games that are trying to look realistic they always they tend to age the worst Mm -hmm. but yeah so being the massive Zelda fan that I have uh I do have a copy of Hyrule Historia and so I thought it'd be interesting to just touch on where Twilight Princess fits into the Zelda timeline and if you're not if you're listening to this and you're not familiar with Zelda games then just zone out for a moment
1: I mean you say that but it's not difficult to bring up like a like a screenshot of uh of the timeline on Google Images or something that's true
0: But Twilight Princess is set after Ocarina of Time. And now there's a weird thing about the Zelda timeline. After Ocarina of Time, the timeline splits into three because Link is time traveling and magic. There are three timelines. And the one that Twilight Princess is in is where Link succeeds in defeating Ganondorf, spoilers, at the end of Ocarina of Time and then travels back in time. So it's young. So Link is young. And he warns the young Princess Zelda what is going to happen in the future. And so she sends him off with the Ocarina of Time to basically keep away from Ganondorf because Link has the trifles of courage. And that's where Majora's Mask comes in. So Majora's Mask is set just after Ocarina of Time. And then after Majora's Mask, Link just vanishes completely. There's kind of a gap there. And then meanwhile, Zelda has Ganondorf executed because of what's going to happen. But they don't really get it right. And I can't, I I don't want to say too much because it spoils a bit of Twilight Princess, but there's basically peace for a few hundred years. And that is where Twilight Princess kicks off. So we're talking a few hundred years after Ocarina of Time. And it's actually the same Ganondorf in Twilight Princess as the one in Ocarina of Time because. Yeah, it's it's not
1: a reimagining or it's not a reincarnation. It's not another
0: one. It's not Ganon. It's it's Ganondorf still. But it is a new Zelda and Link, obviously. Um, and they're descendants of the ones in Ocarina of Time, which must be really weird for Ganondorf. It's like, oh, look, there's another Zelda and Link that look exactly the same, but they're not the same. (laughs) I've been gone for hundreds of years. So that's where Twilight Princess is kind of set. So it's set after Ocarina of Time... um,
1: Which is interesting in that it doesn't; it allows it to almost do
0: whatever it wants to do. Yeah, exactly.
1: That's interesting in the sense that they were able to make kind of big changes to the story because they weren't confined by the timeline. But it's also interesting that they made some big changes to the gameplay aspects of it as well, Um, which means that it's very different to a lot of other Zelda games. There's a lot of uh, a lot of changes to it. Mm. Uh, And what would you what would you say about that? Would you say that was a good thing, a bad thing, or a bit of both?
0: Yeah, I think this was a good opportunity for them to explore some different mechanics and I think they did they did that really well. Um, there's definitely a lot of similarities to other Zelda games. It's got the classic dungeons and exploration cycle. Plenty of the items make a comeback because obviously Link has to have a bow. And in fact, also they continue to use the companion mechanic that they had in Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. And there is obviously a massive world to explore. There's lots of different scenery and different areas and that kind of thing. But as far as the differences, I think the key difference, apart from the art style, from a gameplay point of view, the key differences um, are the mainly the transformation mechanics. So Link in, in Twilight Princess, Link can transform into a wolf. And I don't think that they make massive use of it, in my opinion. I think that it does actually feel like they were playing it maybe a little bit too safe. So they introduce the mechanic, but then, you know, what tends to happen is you'll be in a dungeon and almost all the time in the dungeons, you are Link. But then there'll be one puzzle where suddenly you're like, oh, I need to be Wolf Link. And it's like they were halfway through making the dungeon, and they remembered. Hang on, we've got this transformation mechanic we can use. Um, we should probably make use of it and have a puzzle or two as Wolf Link.
1: So, so it almost sounds like Link's wolf form was kind of like an extension of an item rather than a unique kind of aspect on the game. Yeah, um, it feels like maybe Majora's Mask mask system. You did a kind of a more fulfilling job of adding new elements to the game.
0: Yeah. You're right, because the other thing about the wolf mechanic is that the wolf doesn't really do anything different. If anything, the wolf does less, because the wolf can't use items. And the two things you can do are sense and dig. And otherwise, you know, the combat is largely the same as if you had a sword. Um, Yeah, it just, it does feel more like an item than a proper gameplay mechanic and sort of something that actually is a large portion of the game if that makes sense
1: definitely i mean Zelda games themselves are usually very similar to one another in the way they play and then the items themselves change up depending on the dungeon there's always the item of the dungeon you know Mm. um and there aren't very many games to break that tradition but maybe Twilight princess could have been something that would have allowed it to do that and maybe change it up quite considerably but it sounds like it's just an extension of the game as it was and you're just given almost a gimmick to play with.
0: Yeah, and I, I mean, it's cool. And it's quite. what's quite fun is that the world reacts to you differently. So all mm. the characters react differently. You can listen in on their conversations and their animals talk to you. So you do kind of get a lot of extra side information and they've sort of padded it out in that way. Like it's, it's fairly well-rounded in that sense, but none of that stuff particularly contributes to the core gameplay or the core storyline, if that makes sense.
1: definitely. But I mean, as long as it it has a good place within the game, uh, it makes sense for that to be the case, which I think it does from my knowledge of the game. Yeah. Um, I don't see it being a problem. Maybe just a missed opportunity on Nintendo's part.
0: No, I agree. I think also they're just naturally going to play it cautious. I mean, it's Zelda. They probably looked at the... What's that Sonic game where Sonic can transform into a into a werewolf?
1: <laughs> oh, Sonic Unleashed. Believe it or not, that's not the worst of the recent Sonic
0: games. <laughs> they were probably like, well, we better be fairly careful with this wolf mechanic. There are some cool new items, though. Um, again, they're not used extensively, but then most items in Zelda games aren't, apart from in the dungeon they're in. Um... But you have a spinner, which let, lets you attach to a wall, which makes for, there's quite a good boss fight that uses that. You have a ball and chain, which is like a bit like a bomb only, does more damage. And you have the dominion rods, which lets you control statues, which is quite similar to the Elegy of Emptiness in Wind Waker, if you remember that, mm, which is where yeah. you can make a sort of creepy version of Link,
1: <laughs> The song that spawned a million uh, creepy pastors.
0: Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I think another interesting thing about Twilight Princess, what Twilight Princess accentuates about Zelda games is the creepiness. There's often quite a bit of creepiness in Zelda games, like Majora's Mask is very creepy. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think of other examples.
1: Well, I mean, the game, the, all the games have elements of, ooh, that's kind of weird. You even go back to Ocarina of Time, you have the, some of the very strange enemies, like the, the scrabbling hands, I think they're called like ceiling masters, I believe. Yes. Um, and then, like, the big kind of, like, weird mummy things that screamed at you, you know. That, that's pretty creepy, especially when other parts of the game are so kind of light and fluffy.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so in Twilight Princess, they really accentuate that you have some very creepy characters. Um, and also that sort of dark mechanic of Link being transformed into a wolf. Um, that's, you know, and he's sort of stuck like it, like he's cursed. Um, that's quite good. And also a lot of the bosses are controlled by sort of a dark spirit and so they take on quite a sinister form
1: so would you with all that would you agree that twilight princess isn't necessarily a reinvention of the zelda series but almost a culmination of what fans have been wanting from the game since say ocarina of time really mm. launched it into the into the mainstream media of most people
0: yeah i think you're right i think that it does feel like they're like okay you want a you know realistic dark zelda game here's a realistic dark zelda game definitely
1: uh, and I, you could kind of say that things like Wind Waker maybe were a little bit more adventurous with some of its uh, ideas, like the sailing aspects of it and the treasure hunting aspects of it. But Twilight Princess went, well, we're not going to be too adventurous, but what we're going to do is going to be amazing.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. They definitely stripped it down and focused on that core Zelda experience and then had a very mature and different art style to, to sort of accentuate that.
1: One thing I'd like to ask before we move on is uh, your thoughts and opinions on the characters in the game. Because that's something that people often say is quite a highlight in comparison to a lot of other Zelda games where you really kind of only have Link, Zelda, and Ganondorf.
0: Yeah, that's a good point, actually, because there's a lot of characters, particularly early on, they build up a lot of relationships between Link and the other characters in the village that he lives in, which is quite different to the other games as you say where that you mostly just have link and zelda and ganondorf i'd say the closest is probably ocarina of time where you have kokiri forest
1: and the sages in general
0: yeah exactly you've got all of those characters but it does feel like they fall away quite rapidly once the game gets going they do a lot to build up this sort of you know link being a village person and in fact i'd draw a comparison to skyward sword which also has a very similar thing where they build up your relationships with the characters on Skyloft and then it sort of falls away a little bit. In fact, more so because in Skyward Sword, you return to Skyloft quite a lot for side quests and general, this sort of a hub area. Whereas in Twilight Princess, there isn't really a hub area. There's a Kakariko village, but there's not a lot going on. And that actually comes back to my point about um, side quests and the fact that there are a lot fewer side quests in Twilight Princess compared to other games. And I think you know the the lack of a hub because even hyrule castle town it looks great but there isn't a huge amount to i feel like there isn't a huge amount to do in it
1: that's interesting so you it's almost like they went you know what let's just make the best pure zelda experience we can possibly make and make this story as good as we can so the people get what they've been wanting
0: yeah exactly
1: so i mean that, i'd say that covers pretty much everything in regards to the game that we could really kind of talk about now uh, and one thing that I'd like to know more about, especially considering the fact it's quite recent, is how the remake holds up. And if you think it was a worthwhile thing to buy, or should you just dust off your, your old GameCube?
0: First of all, I think it's quite interesting. I was doing some research for this, and I didn't realise that Twilight Princess HD wasn't made in-house. Uh, it was actually made by Tantalus Media.
1: That's quite surprising.
0: Yeah, who haven't done a huge amount. Um they did the remake of Zombie U, which was the Wii U launch title um, mm. for Xbox One. They also did um, a surprisingly successful game called Pony Friends for the Nintendo DS, which is literally their claim to frame, fame. No sarcasm. Um, it sold it sold over a million copies.
1: That's quite interesting that Nintendo would be so trusting of one of their biggest and most important franchises for See. such an untested developer.
0: At first you think that, but then you realise that because they've got the notes of the original game to work from, there's only so much they can screw up because they've got the game already to you know to, to use as a frame of reference. And also Twilight Princess HD came out after Wind Waker HD. So you've already got that as a point of reference. And in fact, you can really see the heritage of Wind Waker HD in Twilight Princess HD. Right. And as for the remake itself... They've added a few things, not a huge amount. It's very much, as you said earlier, a remaster rather than a remake. What they've done is brought the game up to speed for 2016 because, as with many Zelda games, there are some mechanics and gameplay elements that feel like they're just there to lengthen the game. The famous one is in Wind Waker, where you have to collect all of the Triforce shards which takes forever. I don't know how many there are, but it's just like... An unnecessary
1: amount of them and then yeah. in the remake that disappeared.
0: Yeah, they made it sort of four or five in the remake and it was just, you you didn't even notice that it was a particularly long... They changed long... the way they
1: did it as well. It, yes. it just felt, like you said, more modern.
0: Exactly. And they've done the same here. So there's not the equivalent really of the Triforce pieces. There is um, the Tears of Light, which they also use a similar thing in um, Skyward Swords. Where you need to collect a whole bunch of, uh, you need to kill a whole bunch of bugs in order for an area to be cleared um, of its curse. And they reduce the number of bugs that you need to collect to clear an area. So they've just kind of sped that up a little bit because it did get frustrating in the original game if there was one that you'd missed. It was a pain to find and to get.
1: That's less about puzzle solving and more just about map knowledge, which isn't really testing. It's just time
0: consuming. Exactly, exactly. Um,
1: Which is not what you want in a Zelda game, where the whole point of it is that you're supposed to be feeling quite clever for solving a puzzle and then feeling quite heroic for killing
0: a boss. Exactly. The other changes are fairly minor. And I guess the key thing really is the graphics. It's got generally much brighter lighting than the original. It's still dark, but they really brightened it up because I think that the original was too muddy. The textures were way too brown and they just kind of reduced that a little bit. But what's interesting is that the polygon counts, particularly on the characters, are exactly the same as the GameCube and Wii version. So really all they've done is remaster the textures and the lighting. And it's, so it's kind of surprising that it runs at 30 frames a second because I'm pretty certain the Wii U would be capable of running it at 60.
1: I mean, obviously the Wii U's never been the most powerful of consoles, but I mean, for a game that's as old as that, you'd expect it to be able to run at 60 when other games that are more modern do.
0: Exactly. When it's pushing the same number of polygons as a GameCube, I feel like it should have been capable. That's quite surprising. Yeah, it does make me wonder if they were a bit lazy on that um, on I mean, maybe
1: possibly lazy or possibly inexperienced or yeah. not willing to try and make it 60 and then kind of like fluff it up at a certain points where it drops down. And they've just gone, well, let's play it safe and just stick at 30 all the times. So we know we can do that.
0: Yeah. I think also that if they've reused the GameCube and Wii game engine in any way, you can encounter real issues with doubling the frame rate of a game engine because when it, the game engine was originally written, the developers would have made assumptions about how often the game is checking things like collision detection and stuff like that. So to then up the game to 60.
1: Would require basically rewriting everything.
0: Exactly. And, um, in the Dark Souls PC ports, if you force the game to run at 60, it often glitches. Like you'll fall right. through ladders and stuff like that because the game engine expects it to run at 30. Right. Um, so if you like hack it to run higher, stuff breaks because. That's interesting. So that's what I'm referring to there. And then there's just the general like, interface tweaks. The things that you, if they didn't include in the remake, it would be criminal. Um, like it's quicker to transform. You can tap a button on the gamepad to transform into the wolf. Um, And the item management and minimap in general on the gamepad is really good. You can just drag items to the button that you want them to use and you can easily swap to the minimap.
1: I think that's important as well because although back in, say, 2006 when it was released, uh, that would have been fairly acceptable and, you know, it's what you'd expect from the console generation at the time. But people become much more uh, accustomed to fast inventory management
0: and Mm. just, just those little mod cons. Exactly. I mean it needs it and also you'd be stupid not to take advantage of the gamepad and the final thing which actually really bugs me and is probably my lowest point about the remake is the hero mode now zelda games have a little bit not a huge tradition but a little bit of a tradition of having a master quest like ocarina of time well i say tradition it is only ocarina of time isn't it
1: i think it is i don't know of any other that did it i mean in all fairness you do unlock a few like the second playthroughs on some of the older games of the portal that's true
0: yeah and and so in Twilight Princess HD there's not a second playthrough unlock there's not a master quest instead there's just a hero mode which is basically there are no hearts and you take more damage which is fine but it's just kind of an arbitrary difficulty because it just means when you die do you want to waste time going back to the town, buying some red potions, finding some fairies, coming back to the dungeon and continuing? Because the problem is, is that the combat is too is too rough. You know, it's not easy to dodge things. Sometimes the game just throws hundreds of enemies at you at once and it's almost impossible. Unless you play it super, super safe, you're going to take some damage. So to just be like, and it's double damage and now you're dead. It's It, it just feels... It doesn't feel like it's actually harder. It just feels more frustrating and more time-wasting.
1: Definitely. I, I think your description of arbitrary is a very good one. In the the game itself was not designed with that difficulty in mind. And the combat itself is not lent to that. So it's not lent to Dark Souls style of play.
0: Exactly. You've got it spot on. It, exactly that. And so that really disappointed me. I actually I played it on hero mode and I wish I hadn't. And you can't swap once you start. Because they also use it, weirdly, as the opportunity to reverse the, to like mirror left and right, which reflects what it was with the GameCube and Wii. So the GameCube link is left-handed, the Wii, he's right-handed.
1: I believe naturally he's left-handed, is that right?
0: Yes, that's right. In this, uh, in normal mode, he's left-handed, and in hero mode, he's right-handed for no reason. And that's probably why they lock you to hero mode, because the game's been reversed, and it would probably be difficult for them to let you swap back.
1: It seems like a lot of effort, but not a lot of
0: pain. Yeah, exactly. Um, so don't play it on Hero Mode unless you like torturing yourself.
1: Seems unnecessary. Is there any kind of completion bonus for finishing the game on Hero Mode?
0: Good question. I don't know. Well,
1: um, well I, let I us haven't... know. Email us in. Yeah. Send us
0: some tweets. <laughs> yeah, send us the tweets. Let us know. You you can email us at You Suck at Twilight Princess. You didn't <laughs> realize <laughs> that Hero Mode has an extra ending.
1: But, I mean,. For the most part, you sound fairly
0: positive on Twilight Princess and the
1: HD remake. I'm sure there are obviously there are things that you can be critical of. And that's a good thing, because I think being unapologetically positive about something is not necessarily a critical way of looking at something.
0: Yeah, I think it's a great Zelda game. I think that there's definitely some missing bits, but I don't think that that detracts from the fact that the game is great and the dungeons are really good. Some of the dungeons are are massive as well, which is really nice. You know, I think it's definitely a little bit stripped down compared to other Zelda games. But I think the high point in particular is that the puzzles and dungeons are great. There's a good variety of art styles. As you say, the characters are good. Midna in particular, who is your companion, is particularly good. Way better than Navi or Tattle, <laughs> which, is a, which
1: is a big improvement over yeah. the previous game.
0: It, she is a is a really great character. Um, they make really good use of her. It's almost like she is the substitute for the fact that Link doesn't talk. Great. Right. They almost use her to just be like, okay, now Link kind of talks because we've got this character that's interacting in all the cutscenes on your behalf, so just or like on your side of the discussion, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um,
0: that sounds so, good. Yeah, that's really good. But the sort of general bad points, I think, I would have at least liked to have seen a trading side quest. I really loved the the trading sequence in Link's Awakening, and also that massive side quest trading sequence in Majora's Mask.
1: I mean, Maj- Majora's Mask is such a, an open game in terms of all its quests. The it game in story gives you a book to, um, to keep track of everything. <laughs> yeah, that's it? true. The, bo- yes. the
0: Bomber's Guidebook. Yes. There's um, so many side quests in that game.
1: I don't necessarily think Twilight Princess should do something like that, but maybe just including just a little bit more world building in places to make you yeah. feel a little bit more involved and less like on a, on a track.
0: The only side quests they have are the classic collect a million of these things side quests. And I really find them very dull because they've. it feels very Japanese. That's a very game tedious. extending way to play. Yes,
1: definitely. It's just busy work.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly that.
1: So before we wrap up, final question to you. If you were to pick up or wanted to play Twilight Princess, say later on, uh, would you recommend dusting off the old GameCube or Wii or should you uh, go out and get the new HD remaster?
0: I think if you've got a Wii U, you should definitely get the HD. I mean, if you own Twilight Princess uh, then and you've never played it, like if you weirdly just have the GameCube or Wii version and you've never played it, then it's probably fine to just play it on that. But if you want to play through through it again or if you haven't played it before, you should definitely pick up the HD remake because I think the the main, if nothing else than the GameCube and Wii version, the graphics just haven't aged as well as other games from the time. So I think you benefit from that.
1: Yeah, especially in modern days of having your 10 your ATPs and your 60 frames of second.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think it's definitely worth, worth playing through. It's definitely a better version of Twilight Princess, without a doubt.
1: Brilliant. Well, thank you very much. Much appreciated for all your insights. You
0: are very welcome.
1: Uh, if anyone's got any kind of comments about anything we've discussed today, then please do let us know. Um maybe you got some thoughts about our uh our discussion on the timeline or maybe we missed something a big key feature out of Twilight Princess that you think is uh criminal to not, in- not include then let us know on that.
0: Quite possibly because I haven't quite finished it yet so.
1: <laughs> well I mean you shouldn't have admitted that now you're just going to get <laughs> inundated with you sucks. Um but yeah definitely let us know and we might retouch on it in future. I think there's definitely going to be more Zelda related topics. To, uh, to be discussed on the show. It yes. feels like there's a lot of content for us to go over. And yep. if there's something in particular you want, or maybe there's a game in particular in the series you want us to discuss, let us know.
0: Yeah, you can email us at show at octal.fm. And you can also get in touch with us on Twitter at octal.fm. And you can also pop on to the wonderful Octal.fm website, which is at octal.fm, unsurprisingly.
1: Uh, I've been Zephyr.
0: And I've been Gelada.
1: And we'll catch you next time for another discussion on something that interests us. You
0: can go and play Twilight Princess.
1: Oh, I will, I will.
0: (laughs) Spot on.
1: Oh, spot on indeed. She's very kindly brought me some dinner. Ooh. It looks like uh, some fries with some potato and sausage and some broccoli. Oh no. And some kind of cheesy looking sauce, what's nice? I'm not going to eat it now, <laughs>